I grew up listening to uh, to Bill Cosby's comedy routine. Remember him? Right. Uh, he, he He's done some terrible things. I understand he's done some terrible things, and so we're not allowed to talk about him anymore. Uh, but that's what we listen to. That's what we listen to. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that God doesn't cancel us? I'm glad that God doesn't cancel us. Holy, holy am I. But anyway, my parents, my parents had these, um, had these Bill Cosby comedy albums, like albums, like actual vinyl albums. And we liked them. We liked to listen to them so much that, uh, that we recorded them onto cassette tapes because we were fancy like that. We are fancy like that. Recorded them onto cassette tapes. So, so Bill Cosby had this routine where he talked about grandparents. You heard that one? Uh, in it, in it, he talks about he talks about the turnaround that he saw in his parents, that he's seen in his parents now that they've become grandparents. He shares, he shares about a time when his when his father, now a grandfather, when his father comes over to the house, and he would reach into his pocket and he would declare, let's he would declare he would say, let's see if granddad's got any money for these wonderful children and his children. His children, who, who hear almost nothing that he says to them, would come running from the four corners of the house when they hear that announcement. Let's see if granddad has any money for these wonderful children. He says, he says that this is the same man that when, when his own children would ask him for money, himself included, this is the same man that would his life story and it was never a happy story he would share that he walked to school right at four o'clock every morning with no shoes on uphill you know what was next both ways that's right he would share with him his story and 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 he said it would be in five feet of snow and he would always end these stories of agony and despair with, and I was thankful, right? Same man, same man, all those tales of suffering just to prevent his kids from taking that 50 cents for granted. But this same man now as a grandparent just loves giving money away to his, to his grandkids. Uh, um, he talks about his, his mother uh, coming over and, and all she wants to do is just, Kiss those grandkids. Experience you just wants to kiss those grandparents. Come here and just kiss your grandmommy. Grandmommy just loves it to death. And his children, they think, they think that his mother is the most wonderful person on the face of the earth. And he says, he says, this is not the same woman I grew up with. He tells his children, you're looking at an old person, seasoned person. You're looking at an old person who's trying to get into heaven now. It's not the same people. I totally understand what he was talking about. I totally understand. Our children, our children used to spend time with their grandparents. And they would usually return as spoiled little brats. Usually, I would say, I would say that they had been nanatized, not, not sanitized. They were nanatized. They would come back home and it would take days 
to denanitize them. Days. Because you see, the entire time that they were at their grandparents, they never heard the word no. They never heard the word no. In fact, in fact, instead of telling them no to something that they obviously should not do, my mother-in-law would say, I don't think your daddy would want you to do that. What do I have to do with this? I don't think your daddy would want you to do that. Really? Do you want them to play with matches, Nana? So bad. It got so bad that one time she called me. She called me and she said, she said, uh, uh, your son has a question. He has a question. So she put him on the phone. She put him on the phone so that I could tell him he wasn't allowed to do whatever ridiculous thing it was that he wanted to do. Because apparently she was incapable of telling him no. Incapable. Grandparents. Happy Grandparents Day. Grandparents. You see, I'm a parent. And I'm not all that grand. And I know what the word of God says about being a parent. Proverbs, Proverbs 22 says that I should train up a child in the way that he should go. Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6 says that I am to teach my children the word diligently, training, teaching. Uh, 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 Proverbs 13 says, if I spare the rod, Hate my children. That's what Proverbs 13 says. And Proverbs 23 says that if I discipline with the rod, the children aren't going to die. And in fact, I'll save their soul from hell. That's what Proverbs. That's what Proverbs says about being a parent. Proverbs 23. They won't die. In fact, I'll save their souls from hell. See, I'm, I'm not all that grand. I'm a parent. But I'm not all that grand. Just ask my children. They'll tell you. I'm a parent. I'm a parent. And if I love my children, then I bring them wisdom through the word. And I bring them justice with the rod. That's some of what the Bible says. That's some of what the Bible says. The Bible says we serve a God who loves justice. But how many of you are thankful? How many of you are thankful that God stopped? You see, justice, justice means getting what you deserve. And while God does love justice, my God is also a God of grace and mercy. So justice means getting what you deserve. But grace means getting good stuff that you don't deserve. My God. Mercy, justice, means getting what you deserve. But mercy means not getting the punishment that you do deserve. My God loves justice. He is a God of grace, God of mercy. My God is all of that. And I 
And I can't wrap my little brain around all that together. How? So we have grandparents. So we have grandparents. You see, if if my kids need to understand grace, they have to look no further than their grandparents, who love to give them all kinds of things that they really don't deserve. You, grandparents, are modeling grace for my children. They can better understand our God. If my kids need to understand mercy, they just think of that time when Grandma taught them, taught them being naughty. And she said, let's not do this anymore. And we'll just keep it our mercy. That's mercy. You grandparents are modeling mercy for my children so they can better understand our God. Let me share with you a little parable from Matthew about a grandparent who owns something. Go ahead, throw up that word. Jesus said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. And he agreed to pay them a denarius, which was a day's wage, uh, for the day, and he sent them into his vineyard. You didn't know. You didn't know this uh, story was about a, a, a grandparent, did you? But obviously, we'll read on. Obviously, this was a grandparent. So, so go to the next verses. Uh, uh, about nine in the morning, so he first went out early in the morning. Uh, some, some versions say six in the morning. He, he went out. So then about nine in the morning, he went out again, and he saw, he saw others that were standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And so he told them, he said, he said, you also go, and you work in my vineyard. And he said, and I'll pay you whatever's right. So they went. And then he went out again at noon, and about three in the afternoon, and he did the same thing. About five in the afternoon. Getting later, about five in the afternoon, he went out and he found that there were still others standing around. Still had things to harvest in his vineyard. He saw that there were others standing around, so he asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? And they said, and, 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 and they said because, because no one has hired us. And so he said to them, you also, you go and you work in my vineyard. And so they worked and, uh, for the rest of the day. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard, he said to his foreman, he said, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. And so the workers who were hired at about five in the afternoon, they came and they each received a denarius. So when those, who, when those came who were hired first, early in the morning, they expected to receive more. Worked a lot longer. But each one of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. They said, these who were hired last worked only one hour. They said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them. He said, uh, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work? For a denarius? He said, take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? 
Sounds like Oprah, doesn't it? You get a denarius. You get a denarius. You get a denarius. You all get a denarius. Right? Or, or it kind of sounds like Bill Cosby's dad. Let's see if granddad has any money for these wonderful children. You know that story about the workers in the vineyard bothers me. I'm kind of a fairness guy, kind of a justice guy. And so it bothers me. I get it. They agreed to work for the boss. That's only worked an hour. We worked 12. It bothers me until I start to realize that I may not be the most productive worker in my master's vineyard. See, that story is not about, not about how long they were there. They weren't upset because they were there longer. They were there. Be, they were upset because they had done more work. And I think about my life, and I think about the impact I've had, and I start to wonder if maybe I'm not the most productive worker. Do you want fair? Do you want love? I love the idea of justice until I start thinking about what I really deserve. And I become extremely thankful for grace mercy. It's then that I'm extremely grateful to God loves me. Man, Beyond grace and mercy, though there's another another aspect of God's love that I see in grandparents. The Gospel of John says that that, that God so loved the world he gave. Loved so he gave. Sacrificial love. I have personally experienced this sacrifice as a parent when my plans take a backseat to my children's plans. That's the role we have. That's the job. I have personally uh, 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 seen and I've heard of the sacrifice of grandparents. Just like when, when Mike and Becky struggled to get out of bed day after their grandsons go back home. They've sacrificed. Sacrificed their bodies. Oh, they've probably sacrificed their minds a little bit. Mike used to have a full head of hair. No, he didn't. That's not true. That's not true. Maybe before kids, but not not the grandkids. Uh, but sacrifice. Sacrifice. Later in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, he says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. Jesus said that. He said, this is the best thing, the most sacrificial thing any man can possibly do. And then God goes and he ups it a couple of levels. Instead of giving his own life for his friends, God Sacrificed the life of his son, not for his friends, but for people who rejected him, like you. God took it up another inch. Too. 
sacrificial love. Sacrificial love. I've heard grandparents talk about their I've never heard parents talk about their children. Maybe. Never heard. Never heard it. Maybe I'm not parents. I don't know. But I hear these grandparents talk about their perfect grandchildren. And I'm like, come on. I got kids. Perfect? Are you kidding me? Are those cataracts really clouding your vision that much? Perfect? But then I think about my God. I think about my God looking at me covered in the blood of Jesus. Thank you. God looking at me covered in the blood of Jesus, saying, what sin? Sin. That right there. That right there is sacrificial, unconditional, never-ending, grand God's grace, his mercy, and his sacrifice are definitely great. See, we need to understand. We need to understand that God is not our heavenly. God has children. God has children. You know what I mean when I say that? I mean, I mean, just because Mama's going doesn't mean you're going. I mean. I mean, just because Grandpa was a preacher doesn't mean your salvation is a form. God has children. Look at what Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. Go ahead. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, second part of that verse says, Continue to work out your salvation. Fear. Tremble. Continue to work out your salvation. Your salvation with fear and trembling. The King James Version says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I'm sure most of you have heard that verse before. Of course, in our heads, we know it to be true. We know it to be true. It's my own salvation. It's, it's, it's about me. But I'll tell you what, growing up in a church can make you feel awfully comfortable with the idea that you, everyone around, Awfully I am so happy, so thankful to be part of a Bible-believing, teaching church family. So thankful. What an amazing blessing that is. What an amazing blessing that is. We, we, get, to hear, we get to hear the truth explained so clearly all the time. The, the, the Word of God gets planted deeply in our hearts. But if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we may start to think, that being a member of the church is the same as being a member of God's family. 
we can start to think that, that our name in the church directory is the same as our name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. You see, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that sitting all over this country are really great people who are lost and dying and on their way. I'm convinced of this because, because I was one of them way too many years of my life. I went to church every week. Just woke That didn't mean I had a relationship with Jesus. See, I want my children to understand the grace and the mercy of God. But I also desperately need them to understand their responsibility in a relationship. Their own responsibility. doesn't matter if their mom's a Sunday school teacher and their dad drives the church van. It doesn't matter. God has I don't know if the rod will save their soul from hell, but I know that their very own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Their very own personal relationship It's not, it's not our relationship with Jesus that saves us. My relationship with Jesus saves me. It's your relationship with Jesus that saves you. It's an individual. Go ahead and put up that next slide. This is, this is why God's family tree looks like this. This is God's family tree. It's God, and then it's a son, daughter, son, 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 daughter. Just keeps going. We're either sons of daughters, God, not. We either have a personal living relationship with him. Doesn't matter about mom, about dad. About grandma or grandpa. Doesn't matter about our church attendance. We're sons and daughters of God. God has no children. He only has sons and daughters. And so that means, like I said before, that just because mama's going to. But the great thing is, that means. Mama didn't go. Still. It means just because daddy died in his sins doesn't mean I can't live for Jesus all the rest of the days of my life. God doesn't have any grandchildren. Our connection to the Heavenly Father is a single. Don't look back there. It's the same. It's back there for you. Our connection with our Heavenly Father. One single line. That's awesome. Jesus. 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 See, I don't know. I don't know everybody. 
Not a lot of you. I could probably share half of your names. That doesn't mean I know you. I don't know your past. I don't know your family history. But I know that there's a whole lot of us that use one or both of those to make us feel a certain way about our relationship with Jesus. Well, my family's been in church for generations. My pappy was a preacher. I don't talk like that. <laughs> I was channeling my inner Rick Brozier. Maybe my inner Trish Brozier. That's good. That's good. But see, we get hung up on all that stuff. We get hung up on all that stuff. Go ahead and put up that next slide. Uh, there's this guy named Richard Rohr. Richard Rohr is actually a priest. And this is what Richard Rohr said. He said, God has no grandchildren. He says, God only has children. As some have said, as some others have said. He said, he said each generation has to make its own discoveries of spirit for itself. He said, if we don't, then we just react to the previous generation and often overreact. Or we conform to what the previous generation's doing and often overconform. Neither of those is positive, neither of those is a creative way to move forward. I don't know your past, and I don't know your family history. But I do know that if you choose to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I know your Heavenly Father. And I know your eternal future. Jesus died for you as an individual. They're going to play this song, and as they play this song, I wonder. I wonder if he's calling you like he called me so many years ago. Calling you to his family. Calling you to be his son or daughter. Calling you to submit. Not as part of an organization or a church family, but to submit to him as an individual to the will of God. It doesn't mean you can't bring someone with you, but, but only you can make the decision to serve God for yourself. As they play this song, I wonder if you'd listen to see if maybe, just maybe, he's calling you to say yes to 